0: Let's go.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV and our coverage of Amazon Prime's The Wheel of Time. I feel like I've been saying Wheel of Time, but it seems like they're pushing the in front of it uh, in a lot of the marketing. So that's a thing now. This is episode three What Might Be. And before we get into what might be, just classic Bingetown housekeeping. Uh, you don't need to do this right now, but if you would like to support us, you know you like our jokes as we as we move through this episode and et cetera, et cetera, just subscribing, whatever you're watching or listening on. And then if you want to interact with us, Twitter or X.
2: yeah, I was at, just
1: gonna call you out <laughs> at Town TV and then uh, Discord, a link can be in the episode description uh, on YouTube or whatever you're listening on right now. And then it's also can be easily found in our Twitter bio, I believe, in like a link tree type of thing. I don't know. I don't really handle that as thing. Okay, so uh, just a classic style. We're gonna break these storylines into their buckets and just go through them on their own individually. We're gonna, I guess, not again do any like overall thoughts. We're just gonna dive right in. So the first one we'll do will be the White Tower, uh, and obviously, kind of the arguably the main dish of this episode is going to be Nineveh's accepted trials. This is kind of one of the big cliff. I mean, one of what four cliffhangers they led us left us off on in episode two. So we kind of talked before this. We kind of really want to focus on the third one versus, you know, the first two. So just really quick overview. The first one is essentially it's what was. So it's kind of Nani goes to her past. We see her parents. We get the moment where she has to kind of abandon them. And then the second one is what is. So this is when she goes back to Emmons Field. She wakes up next to Tamal Thor. A plague's broken out. She gets, you know... Kind of talking down to by Matt's mom, who had to step up in her place because she abandoned them, quote unquote, um, and she has to then abandon Tam Thor. Uh, and this kind of these two things piss her off. Kind of each time she walks out of the of the um the arches, and she's kind of like at this point she's wavering a little bit. There is some differences here from the books. They're different because they changed the season one storyline, so it's not like a huge deal. Like they were going to be different because they changed things from the storyline in my opinion it worked perfectly fine i have no issues with it whatsoever uh and then she kind of steals herself and goes through the third arch obviously this was a little bit of a twist going on here um i would just say we can open up and just talk about literally anything we want at this point
3: let me jump in because i just want to i want to just say right away that tarangreal the one like that kind of gets highlighted in the beginning by either shiriam or Leandrin, like they're crazy they could do anything if you're thinking one piece like paramecia like they can just do anything that they need to serve a purpose and this is by far one of the most iconic terra so like this was one of the more anticipated moments of the early part of season two for me i was a little disappointed with the first two and i was ready to be disappointed with the third one until the end and it actually comes full circle and i was pretty happy with it but felt a little sad as a book reader how little time they spent in Archway 1 and Archway 2. Not sure how you two took it because it probably didn't mean much anyway. It was just like an obstacle to get to the real hard challenge of Archway number three. But I do still like it overall, and I'm I'm really happy with how it ended. But the first two were a little weak. The third one stole the show for me. And we could talk more about the third one in detail because that's the important one. But what did you guys think initially?
4: A hundred percent. I got got like i <laughs> yeah. was like taking notes i was like oh man the little goodbye with Gwen. that was a little nice her and land kissing i'm like hell yeah let's go i've been waiting for this and then you see the glimmer of the door behind and i'm like all right well these notes are stupid now because like that means nothing <laughs> um it was awesome i really wasn't expecting it um i thought the third one with and not remembering anything like the initial going in i thought that was just a really good she did something crazy and she didn't want to know about it. I thought that was it. And um I legit did think she said, screw the eyes to die." And I don't know if she's going to still say that or not. Uh, that's like a conversation I guess we can have towards the end. Um, But I 100% thought this was like happy land for a second. Um, so there
3: wasn't a single, mo- like all the way until the reveal of the door being there. You thought like this is real, right?
4: Well, not when like. I knew it was fake when she had a kid and Perrin was running around. Like, I knew it was fake. Yeah, well, that yeah. was already yeah,
3: up yeah. until like, the kiss with Lan, right? Yeah. And then you yeah. see, okay, yeah. I was roughly around the same spot where I was like, this can't possibly be how this is going. I mean, I, I have, knew what was coming.
2: I have no way of like proving this to you guys, but there was like once the scene transitions from her and Egwene's goodbye to her leaving, I just, I guess I've seen so many movies and shows in my head. I was like, hypothetically, like, what if she's still in the gate? and like Mm -hmm. five seconds later she was so i wasn't like it was a great surprise still at the end of the day like i thought that was really well done because you know they really emphasize when she steps in she has this moment of not remembering anything which i wonder if that's going to trans translate into like her actually coming back now like is she going to remember her not remembering what she originally did in the archway so but I i wouldn't say i was you know i guess because i'm only a show watcher i wasn't like disappointed with the introductions of the archways like I thought they were pretty cool. I mean, the first one, like Kyle said, was a representation of the past and the present and then potentially the future was the last one. And they did what they were supposed to do in my mind. I wasn't, again, I had no expectations really of what they were supposed to be anyway. So it was cool seeing how they operate. And especially with the present one too, it's like in my head, is that actually happening in the two rivers? Like, is she actually seeing what's going on, you know, or is it just like a random occurrence that is it's showing her to make her feel bad about leaving the two rivers, you know? So overall solid scenes though, but that, the twist was great. It's
1: funny that yes, yeah, she comes out of the second one and it's like, we got to go. Like, we got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. There's a plague. And then they're like, I love other answers. Just like, don't burden us with your fears. Like, we don't want to know that shit. <laughs> I just love that's like all they say. They don't really comfort her at all. It's just don't burden us with your fears. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I wonder
2: if she actually had those conversations with Tam and like Matt's mom. You know, that's I don't know. They don't know how they work. Uh, the, oh, yeah, they, they don't know. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's, they said, too, which I thought yeah. was even honestly cooler. Like, just give it some more mystery to it all.
3: It's like uh, yeah, Bruce I Bruce mean, Bolton re showing back up.
2: Yeah, yeah I did not expect nice that, surprise. to be
3: honest.
1: I did not. Expect- they um, they discuss and Luke kind of got after with the Taron Griol of like they mentioned here that they've learned things throughout history, but the cost has been high because, you know, people have died in the in the uh, arches. People come out burned out. I mean, a big thing. in so the main difference here, just because I think it adds just a little more context is the first one like that Luke was disappointed in when it's her family. I personally thought it was fine. It was emotional. Is like, so in the end of book one, she, they're all at the eye of the world. There is a forsaken there that Nynaeve like kind of fights a little bit. So like he comes back in this arch and she uses the power to fight him. And it's like, ob- I rather
2: than bad- save her family more or whatever badass
1: than her abandoning her family as they're murdered above her, um, mm-hmm. but they yell at her because they're like, don't fucking do that shit. Like, don't use the one power in the arches. Like everyone who has done that is basically either died or come out and they can't use the power anymore. So it's kind of like that warning. Type of deal. Obviously, they they flip it in the show a little bit because it's literally the reason how she gets out is her using the power, um, which I can imagine some people have a problem with. I personally don't care so much, but.
4: My question to that is in the second arch, when she was trying to heal um, Tam Elthor, was she just not able to, or could she literally not even like channel, or what was that? She couldn't channel. Not because
1: like she was in the arches, it's because they mentioned it in both episode one and episode two, and that she just can't touch the source unless she's angry or afraid. Mm. So which she was conf- like, which checks like, out
2: in the third one where she yeah. was actually angry and afraid.
1: Yeah. And it's it's kind of like she's also like in a very emotional moment with Tam right there. And like kind of all the practices like, you know, close your eyes, imagine a flower bud, like you know those kind of like meditation level steps, and she's obviously not in a headspace to do that either.
2: Just really quickly, can you just explain the difference between Sangreal Sa and Tangreal, Ta whatever? So one more time.
1: So angriol and Sangreal Sa are basically two different levels of an item that like allows you to use more of the one power. It's like right. kind of like Sample a fires. conduit. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like a conduit. Or whatever. And then Terrangriol have like a bunch of different uses. You know what I mean? So like we saw in season one when Moraine and uh Swan kind of like use that portrait thing to teleport to each other and whatever that was, if it was reality or not. That was a It's uh, the oath it? rod. Okay. Tear. It's ter, T-E-R so it's tear tear on Okay. Yeah. There's I a lot that. of like words that are like have apostrophe. So technically it's one word, but it's ter right. I figured there was zero. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: Okay. Um, anything that does anything is a terrangriol. Otherwise, it's just an amplifier yeah yeah so it's it's either a fork
2: they're either forks or they're sporks basically
3: (laughs) i guess but
4: (laughs) i I don't even know what to do with that now i don't know
3: if i agree but if
1: it helps you it helps you and there you go (laughs) i don't even know
2: which one is which is the spork the The spork is multi-use yeah it's (laughs) whereas sporks are only have one purpose
4: i really liked the line that the mistress of novices had to Leandrin, like she trusted us when we got her killed. I hope her conscience never lets you make peace with that. I really hope it did affect her and she's not just faking it. I hope like Naineev, she actually does take this as a big loss.
1: There's um, there's just like some good book related stuff here. I mean, I like how Shirium they explain it in the beginning and Naineev's like, okay, so I literally just walk through these three arches, like that's it. And like, she gets like a little annoyed. She's like, I mean, yeah, if you want to fucking boil it down like that, you little bitch. <laughs> and, like, that's exactly what happens in the book. So I thought that was good that they kept it in. Um, The activation of the arch just looks really cool. Um, But uh, just, I mean, so you guys obviously know, like when she has the kid and everything in land, that it's like, it's not real. We've already just talked about that. But like, what did you think of seeing Matt, like Matt all dressed up and then they die in the Trolloc attack? I, I just thought that was just all really well done.
4: Yeah. I mean, they definitely went all out. And if you didn't know it was basically the third arch by now, you were probably shitting yourself. We already did or like no. they saw
2: we she we yeah. already saw her like i decli- know you did. No, she declined the first archway she, she like saw the archway with lan and then yeah. she's she like didn't not see going it technically did she not see it
4: it only shows yeah. itself
1: once. that's what i thought was like a little like i odd, thought she looked back
2: clearly saw that it was the archway and was like nah i'm gonna stay here and fuck she i don't HSI. know if
1: in my memory she doesn't turn back because it's basically the combination of like the way back will come, but once classic line that like she hears and then it pops up, but like it, uh, it, I couldn't tell, like it was clearly less like tangible that time with land. Like it was kind of like shimmer versus like a literal archway that popped up in the first two, which I thought was like, yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That felt like a little like, okay, we got to extend this type of deal. I don't Mm -hmm. know what the hell was going on with her, like falling through the void and wearing the red dress and, that yeah, oh, yeah, stuff.
2: that was. I wanted to bring that up too. If that was just <sighs> you know foreshadowing her being a red, I said in the last episode, her and Leandrin are very similar, and Le, I mean, Leandrin says it in this episode too. Um, and I mean, clearly, there is like a mentee mentor, somewhat of a relationship between them at this point, and so maybe she does fall like go yeah. in her footsteps and go with red eventually. Oh, yeah, way.
1: she's going healer. I made the point at the end of last episode of, like, my gut reaction is still to be like, ah oh, fuck, they fucked this up. And, like, so, like, she comes out of the arches and is like, you know, if this test is about turning my back on the people I love, the people who trust me, to take care of them, you know, like, I-, I won't do that. Like, keep your ring. I'm not your sister. And, like, she is pissed off like that in the books. She's like, it's like, that's that my fate to just abandon everyone I love over and over and over again and, you know, for the tower. So at this point, I'm like oh shit okay like this is going down and i was like i can't believe like she's leaving the tower like they're really doing this like i can't believe it and then the and then the the doorway comes up like you guys also obviously understood the twist and i was like
3: these motherfuckers i was (laughs) so close to being salty but it did it did pay off like completely and i'm happy that it kind of that was towards the end of the episode and I lived for the Emmonsfield five, whatever ones we got in that vision being peaceful. That was amazing to see. And then of course, just more Trollocs looking good as always. Like I feel like the baseline for Trollocs is it's up there for any fantasy series as like these monsters and they, they pretty much nail it every time they're on the screen, but then yeah, she comes out. Just chills everywhere, which is her freaking out. I I really yeah that last moment hit home with Egwene and Elaine kind of sleeping there. I know we'll backtrack for some of their their scenes, yeah. but that was a really good moment at the end to actually end the episode.
4: Yeah. I mean, imagine she lived at least like five years minimum, it seemed like in that archway, or at least like it had that experience of like five years in there if she had that little girl. And it's then like playing, Rick and Morty,
3: right? The, yeah, the like playing
4: game. Roy or you know, <laughs> magicians. Um, yes, yeah, true, the mosaic. Yeah so yeah. uh I, I can't imagine all the emotions of just realizing that you don't actually have a daughter and that the last like five years meant nothing it was just a test like that would be she did a really good job acting like she was freaking out
2: i just yeah. i wonder why there has to be a reason why rand and Egwene weren't in that flash forward well, they, <laughs> they mentioned dead and she and,
3: and Egwene's Egwene's dead. fighting yeah exactly so it's because she thinks rand's dead Couple and she's probably assuming at the, t- the white tower at the white tower yeah okay because yeah. she says she writes the letter about the trollocs attacking sildaya at the yeah. borderland so it is a reality to her and that kind of confirms to me that she didn't see the shimmer of the doorway the first time when she hooked up with land like i think that was the purpose of it like she was yeah. kind of just letting herself live the vision embrace and yeah okay yeah. till that and final I'm moment sure. and then she yeah Land's That's
1: why I thought it was a little. So. Yeah, oh, dude, long hair, hair oh. down land. <laughs>
3: gimme, yeah. gimme that. Let's do more of that. <laughs> and dressed up Matt. I thought they all looked good. Dude, and Perrin, oh fuck yeah, yeah. They were great. They looked great. Uh, Matt gets end game?
1: fucked end game? up by that troll, and then Perrin gets smoked by that axe and was like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I think I don't know if I have much else to add. I mean, we talked a little bit about kind of like the differences in the books. I think overall, this worked. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that, yeah, it's hard for me to separate that initial feeling of me being like, I can't believe they, they've done this, you know, fuck I'm, up thing. But I think overall, like the vibes are there. The idea behind it is there. Um, like, the emotional weight of it is there. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, with- the, the third arch was way more intense, I thought, than it was in the books. Like the books, they get like kind of maybe a couple paragraphs. And this third arch felt way more like emotionally traumatizing. Like I felt it way more than I did in the book. Good.
2: So. Well, I like how you mentioned it though. I just want to really quickly agree with you on the fact that like, I'm curious to see how Nynaeve will react now being back in like the real world, because I mean, nothing changed for her in, you know, the visions that she saw, like, I'm sure she's still willing to accept, you know, the leaving the eyes to die after seeing these visions. So I'm, it'll be interesting to see how she, I guess, either stays or leaves. Yeah, and then I guess
1: just one thing they, I'm pretty sure, re-emphasize. We talked about it, I think, around the Warder Campfire Episode 4, Season 1, that Aes Sedai means servants of all. I just like that that's a little touch that they uh, kind of re- re-emphasized for us here in this episode. All right, and also last thing here will be that uh, Liana Sedai has a mean Side eye. She just fucking looks over at Leandra and walks out of the room. And I was like, I do not want to be on the other end of that. Okay. <laughs> so I guess we'll talk about, we can talk about all Egwene, Elaine. We'll kind of separate out them and kind of the, the Matt stuff, I guess. Um, just basically, I like how it's a hungover, Egwene and Elaine's like, you know, aren't you like an innkeeper's daughter? Like, shouldn't mm-hmm. you be able to handle your alcohol better? And just kind of, you know, they the relationship starting to bud and grow already. Um, and then obviously it kind of gets a little wrinkle in that uh that naive is now dead. I love how Sheryam. Um, I just like how she kind of says like I'm doing this out of respect, not out of I forget the word she uses, but like naive's dead, straight up
4: to her. I thought I
1: mean overall I thought it was harsh, but I think that it, it does kind of fit in the eyes that eye I mindset.
4: What a terrible way to find out! Like you said, she's hungover, not really yeah. expecting it. Like didn't they say they were late to like some some class or something like that? And all of a sudden you get a hit with that, and she's like ah. Don't want you to find out this way, but yeah, your friend's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, wild, and then kicks her. Uh, I'm sorry. I always just want to call her daughter heir. That would suffice, but Elaine. I like that Elaine. <laughs> yeah. Where you can call hers. her? her Nanny's cool replacement.
2: Nanny's replacement. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> kicks her the hell out. She's like, I don't even know you. Oh, that was mm-hmm. that was funny. Yeah. And my not. only
3: comment I'll add is just that. Um, I think Shiryam just like. Does a great job at playing her role. I know she doesn't get a lot as an actor, but like I, I've been craving that sort of presence in the White Tower, and it just makes so much sense. Anything to do with novices, she's involved, including the Accepted Test, and it's just like she would be the one kind of cleaning out the novice room and like delivering this news to you Queen. It all just makes sense, and I like her as a presence. I hope she's just consistently there anytime we're in the White Tower because she's just she is in the books, just like a character that's always around in in the White Tower. Yeah, I think they've captured the gravitas of her will. Um, right. Okay.
1: Um. The next thing we'll get in Egwene's storyline is going to be, so now she's, I guess, in that first stage of grief, maybe like denial, and then she's upset. And now she's taking action. So we see Leandrin is dumping Nynaeve's kind of empty, gemless, accepted ring into that kind of cauldron of fire uh, at the top of the tower. And Egwene confronts her, and uh, things get a little fiery. Things get a little fiery here. I. This was very unexpected for me
4: fiery mm-hmm. nice because yeah. she casts that wall of fire uh without hands that was cool they didn't make that a point because the, she was training she was like didn't come here for easy mode so that's cool to just see her fucking just toss it up there and leandra's reaction is just so cool too she didn't like react that much she just kind of stopped and then just like countered it real quick sucked it up and like walked mm-hmm. uh, towards her i was like god it's so scary McQueen. how did you do that and she didn't say well, she stepped back a lot, actually. But eventually at the end, she took like two steps forward and got in her face. And that was uh that was tight. Yeah. You have no idea. no idea what I'm
1: capable of.
2: Uh, I, was nah, I wasn't. I wasn't crazy about that. The whole <laughs> the, the fire was definitely sweet. But when she like steps back into land and I'm like, all right, settle down, McWayne, like, <laughs> you know, you, you're nothing here. Um, But no, I definitely like a, really cool could
1: like ruin her life if she wanted to. Yeah, there. that's what like. I, like if she could like, totally sh- just support like, r- report that, I guess, to Sherry M. Sedai and be like, and and McGuane is McGuane, is would she would be like literally her. scrubbing toilets with her tongue for the next like year.
2: <laughs> gwen has like shown herself to be like a complaining like crybaby almost so like her just like what? going up to I the just end, hard worker dude she, she hasn't complained
3: studied. until last episode for the first time ever
2: yeah but she's like internally complaining <laughs> yeah, about like she's internally okay. salty about like <laughs> yeah. Everything. yeah i feel like and you and would so... be
3: struggling
1: as well in a similar position
2: yeah but i just i'm at the end of the day i'm just saying for her to come back and be like you have no idea what i'm capable of is like all right like settle down but yeah. I think at the Le- end of the day, Leandrin, I don't want to take away. Yeah, she, it was still a great scene.
3: She Leandrin stole the scene for me. I think yeah, she is yes, just yes. so freaking badass. That just wave, it keeps re emphasizing how strong the Aes Sedai are compared to the novices. And yeah, like just wall of fire, just by and then turns around, just doesn't lose her cool at all. Um, she's just. Landon for president man she's doing it for me completely this season and um, I, I just her actor I just didn't expect her to be as as prevalent as she is and I'm super happy about it because she's just fun when she's on screen they yeah. must
1: just have a blast writing her dialogue because I feel like her dialogue is the best
2: mm-hmm. it's cool seeing her open up to a little bit more especially with Nynaeve in general especially I don't know if it's here later on when she's like I respected the hell out of Nynaeve and all this stuff so it it was really cool seeing how Nynaeve kind of has opened her up a little just a, like a little bit in my eyes and Egwene comes in you know shouting on the stuff and she doesn't really even know that Leandrin actually has also kind of developed a relationship with Nynaeve as well she said she, she believed could- in her yeah that's what it was she believed in her and there was like I think to another Aes Sedai later on she's like I respected the fucking hell out of Naive. That was to Matt, but yes,
1: it's like oh, it it's was, like yeah. disguised to Matt. Yeah, the I just like the the line that it's not only the most powerful woman who write history; it's the ones who survive. Yes, that's just I, like like a, I like that line. An important thing to think about. I mean, mm-hmm. it's pretty similar to the idea of like you know, history is written by the the victors or the winners type of deal. But I thought in the context that it worked well for what she was trying to get across to Egwene. All right, so the next thing that goes, I rather that's for Egwene. Um, is that she just kind of obviously now she's she's back maybe in that denial stage she's trying to open um the arches and she tries to open that third one herself but fails um I just first thing I thought of was that the CGI just looks so much better in this season I mean I've kind of thought it throughout but that's one of the notes I wrote down for this scene is that it just the channeling CGI looks so much better in this so season. Like you can
2: see like um, every strand of right yeah weave It's awesome yeah
1: and then I mean main part here is just that. Uh, Elaine, the daughter, of her, she's a rider. She's just mm-hmm. a good friend. She's willing to be there for, uh, I mean, like Wayne, But she's also not bullshitting her. You know, she I spits like that the truth. Yeah, she tells her like it's not going to work. Like you literally can't do it. Hundreds of people have tried. It's okay. Like we can stay here. I'll grab blankets and shit. Like, but don't throw your life away because clearly Nynaeve wouldn't have wanted that. Um, I just really like what they're doing with Elaine's character.
4: Do we know how long it was in the actual White Tower? like it was like five years for an in there but was it was it was this all in like one day or was it like a few days it's difficult to say
1: i guess it doesn't seem like it was
3: that long okay. i would say a day or two the
1: like i can't imagine yeah gwayne would go a whole day almost without like trying to talk to Nynaeve. so i would say yeah like they, they did it in the middle of the night i'm sure it was literally the next quote unquote next day so like yeah, yeah maybe like a total of 16 to 18 to 24 to 26 hours. (laughs) And
4: to follow that up, (laughs) uh, do we think, or is this like completely out of the question that Egwene trying to activate the arches had any like homing beacon for Nynaeve? Or was that just coincidence? Because I mean, it was later on when Nynaeve came back, it wasn't right even after she was trying.
1: I don't hate that idea. I I feel like that would have been a, better explanation oh maybe that's what like the little weak shimmer was i might headcanon that because i didn't like Correct. the idea of like she only gets that weak like it doesn't even fully realize itself as an arch yeah. It just like it's just like kind of shimmers and you can tell it's different and then she hears like the way back will come but once and then she kind of is like what was that oh i don't care you mm-hmm. know but what the other two like it was very like literally it felt like an actual archway is next to her in the cellar uh, okay. you know, it's it's literally in the room across from Tam's bed. So, so the
4: first visual was Egwene zapping
1: the arches for you.
2: I'll take that. Yeah, okay. when it like
1: glimmers when she first meets land behind her. That's when,
2: like when Nineteen yeah, comes in the beacon. When Nineteen comes out, like there's no signs of like, Egwene uh, and Elaine doing anything right it's just no. she just comes out okay i was just one maybe i was thinking that maybe elaine did eventually help Egwene, no. but it didn't unless see
4: the secret is to fall asleep in front of it
2: yeah
4: ah. <laughs> paul
1: figured out the tear hungry didn't. that the Aes Sedai i couldn't figure out in the past three thousand years <laughs> <laughs> none of them none of them ever took a nap in front of the arches. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh paul you're a visionary that's the last thing honestly right? i i would see like we just said nine comes out collapses in grief um so, i guess
4: we can talk about it now. Do we think that Nynaeve is going to stay in the tower with Equine? Or do you think she is going to do what she did in her quote-unquote vision in the arches and uh, separate and go back to the village to actually try to take care of that disease?
2: I'm going to put on the board that I think she stays. She made she made herself some very good points by like... in. In that third archway when she's talking to Egwene, like you, I've realized now that you don't need protection. And even when before when she goes in, you know, Leandrin asks her, You got to make sure you're doing this for you and not someone else, which it has felt like Nynaeve's whole presence and time here at the White Castle, of course, has been <laughs> um all for Egwene. So but I think after now having these experiences under her belt, I think she's now able to see the bigger picture i guess and i'm i'm thinking she's gonna stay as a nice guy or stay at the white castle
1: (laughs) just for everyone if this is the first time you're listening (laughs) that is a little inside joke there okay
2: (laughs) it's possible because if people binge
3: the first three they might just jump into this one so yeah
1: all right paul what do you got (laughs) for what's your answer you asked the question (laughs) <laughs> he's thinking by the way if you're listening
2: yeah <laughs> the steam's uh, coming out thinking. of his head right now
1: <laughs> that's a thinking face if i've ever seen oh him.
4: okay i got it i got it i, got it.
1: I think so that,
4: <laughs> i think that since Leandrin already destroyed the ring and she made some sense in her vision i think she's like you know what fuck it. i am out of here and i'm going to dip and go
2: back to the two slash four rivers mm. <laughs> i really can't see it going either way i i, I don't know
1: Okay, mm-hmm. Dave. If she stays, what what's your Aja prediction?
2: Uh, I'll agree with Paul. As even though we saw her in red, lady in red, by the way, shout out big mouth. But I'm gonna go with um yellow. I think she is gonna be a healer. If the, the visions were just, especially with the plague that she saw in the second archway, and I think and how she's reacted to seeing the healers in the infirmary and things like that, I I, I can see her going yellow.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. so you think the the lady, but in she'll just dress. be like a was a red herring
2: yeah i think so and i i think she'll just be like the most powerful she'll be like a, a battle at the same time of course because she's the strongest being to come through their doors in a thousand years but i think her she'll want to be a healer
1: mm-hmm. all right fairs yeah i mean it's clear that you know her name is well known in the tower and if she has to stay obviously she won't have any lack of suitors for the ajas um Coming to recruit her. All right. So now we'll kind of we'll do Matt's storyline in the White Tower. Obviously, there's a level of intersection here with Leandrin's storyline and kind of the post Nineeves, I guess, quote unquote, death. Um, Leandrin reacts to it by setting him free. Obviously, this is a little bit of a red herring for us as the audience, um, and that she's kind of using this as an excuse. Uh, she gives Matt a fucking reality check for the ages. I mean, again, her episode was very quotable. And then we get, you know, Matt and Min, and then we obviously get the twist in that storyline, which is a little upsetting. In that Min and Leandro are kind of working together; it's not obviously like an equals relationship. But um, I think we can literally just talk about anything we want in this Matt and Min storyline.
3: Matt was a fucking coward when he saw Gwen and walked away from her when she was crying yeah. like that. That dis- that was just oh, I hated that scene. Yeah, was I felt it just- coming.
2: It was just like watching him fucking stay back in season one. It was the exact same feelings I was feeling. It's just like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Just get the fuck in there. And
4: Leandra just said that. She said, you betrayed your friends and you would do it again. And she said, you know, you lost somebody today. Your friend needs a friend. And still
2: he fucking dips. Who do you think got more wrung out? Land by Moraine or Matt by Leandra?
1: I mean, land by Moraine because it was relentless over months. But I mean, in the moment, dude, that the quotable like, line is nuts. I mean, see, I mean, I, I love it. I've wrote it down because I loved it so much. But like Moraine might have seen something in you. Light, darkness, wink, wink to Dave, importance, yeah. but I see nothing you're an insidious coward who mistakes his own moral failings for cunning and wit, which I think is a great summation of Matt's like, early it's character. It's so true, yeah. yeah. And then a stupid desperate boy who wallows in self pity, blaming his friends for leaving him. You left them and you do it again. And my note right after that just says, she is legit killing this role. I am just mm-hmm. in love with this.
2: She did. <laughs> she has been fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: And the best yeah. part about it is because their eyes to die, like her and Maureen, when they ring people out, like they can't lie. Yeah, it's yeah, true. Like 100% Thanks. the truth. Yeah. Like, and she, has that I mean, line to a right.
1: earlier too. Yeah. She's like, yeah. you know, I said I can't lie. So hear my words and know them for truth. And I was like, sheesh.
2: Yeah. There wasn't no like, we're, e- we're not equals kind of thing, Matt. Like, this was yeah. like, I felt like straight oh, yeah, up no, like no. me no. just telling you how it
4: is. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I didn't even realize they can't exaggerate and like make shit up. This is straight up the truth. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Another, um, another strike against Matt
1: is that he, like makes a joke of like, oh, I get, I bet she was real old and it's, literally
4: his friend who she's talking about (laughs) that's shitty she probably did that on purpose obviously yeah but like what a terrible way to uh approach it but in my head because he was so used to the noises that she makes coming in and out um i had like do you think he was fake sleeping when she walked in there just to like appear weaker than he actually was or do you think he was actually
2: got the got startled I feel like he's always been putting up a front to her that he's like weak, especially when we first got introduced to the new Matt. Like he does look pretty bad, but as soon as she leaves, like we see the, the charisma coming out. So I think it's all a front, but after being wrung out, it's kind of, it's not a front. Like he is yeah. just like completely depressed. and like, I don't
4: think that was fake crying. I think uh, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was not fake crying. Those are real but, tears, I think.
2: But I think originally before he got wrung out, yes, like every time she appeared to him, he wanted to appear more weak than actually
1: so we talked about last episode the annoying like nynaeve happens to be outside the door for the bad and then walks away right before the good and then i i mean i felt the same way with him looking just staring at Egwene, and then he decides against it and then right when he walks away she looks i was like ah
4: fuck off Hmm. like full body in the archway for (laughs) i don't know what 25 30 seconds (laughs) yeah and as the the second he goes behind the wall, what was that? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're taking the piss at that point. Um, so Matt kind of returns to Min, and I like how um we discussed last episode about the level of chemistry they have. But um, Min kind of immediately shoots down the romantic shit. So I'm curious of of how we're feeling about the potential. I mean, obviously we learn at the end that she's kind of leading him down a road, but I'm uh, just curious of what you guys think still on that lane because we talked about it last episode
4: i think that she's doing it for his protection because he doesn't want to get any romantically involved and then you know the truth comes out saying like you know i've been tricking you this whole time i've actually been working for Leandrin. i like to think that she's keeping it strictly non uh physical for that for his sake uh at the same time i mean matt's uh pretty uh pretty down in the dumps right now and not very attractive i'm sure to a lot of people so i mean he's, <laughs> yeah yeah he's a good looking guy but he is looking tough right now
2: yeah i think in when we first saw them interacting i was feeling the spice between the two of them but now i feel like it's getting more platonic like he already was when he brings down the cabinet and is like talking to her he's invites her over and he's just like yeah i'm not trying to you know make a move or anything and from then on it just felt very platonic so yeah
1: It does get back to good chemistry, though. I like the little thing they're throwing around of like um, when Matt's like, oh, like they kind of just basically joke about liberating surprise. I mean, supplies rather. I thought that was, you know, they're kind of of the same mind with that stuff. They do have that level of chemistry still, which is really good. And I think Min looks like the outfit looks sick. I thought she she looks good with the haircut. I wasn't. I love the
2: haircut. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: wasn't like in love with the character design in season one, but I'm really warming up to it. And I think that she looks great in this scene.
3: I'm always looking great. Let me uh, lead us into this next bucket. I'm just going to, I don't know if this is what you have last, but inject Randall Thor into my fucking veins. (laughs) Anytime he's on the screen. Like I live for this dude and it's a, I was a little surprised at the low gain scenes to be honest, but everything else, like basically they're still, they're still incredible, but just anything he does is just so interesting to me. And like, we start off hot basically at the end of last episode when he, when he, Goes and meets Loghain, and we find out right away like Loghain knows he's an aiel he can see the red Loghain knows that he saw him in tarvalon and he knows that he can channel so he knows like everything right off the bat which is adds to the more um like the mystique of Loghain anyway and that that is the first confirmation of the power right like of him being able to see other male channelers did we yeah. talk about that yet? at least that did i we, know yeah. of
4: yeah that was awesome that made yeah. that scene of him laughing in the cage so much better from season I three.
2: forgot right. how much i fucking love logan <laughs> he is just <laughs> so great i mean we only got to really see him like strength wise in season 1 which you know i'm all for i'll take any strong character any day of the week but now we're seeing a little bit more of that like cunning and like slyness that he's got to him and oh I he, love that. He, and Rand's great he, too. So, so just the
3: combination of both of them just makes me just so horny. <laughs> he says to him, like he basically says something similar to when he saw Nynaeve's powers. He said, I saw how strong you were and I knew you were going to shake the world, which is just epic, just an epic line coming from a false dragon like that. And then he goes on to have this conversation with Rand. He knows what Rand wants. He says, "I Rand says, I want to know how to control it. And then that leads to the talk about demanding the wine for the lesson so like that's the whole beginning and um yeah so i guess paul did you have anything else to add about just like the what we're talking about now i guess
4: um yeah i mean absolutely wild meetup that like obviously we got it at the end of last episode but i didn't think logaine was be- going to be coming back this soon i dig it i love it i
1: like the I like Loghain's dialogue of, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny that that's the way they wrote that. I have two takes mostly on this. One is that I think that the glow around Ran is weak for being the brightest that Loghain's ever seen. Yeah, um, it did feel a little, little
2: underdone. Yeah, I just
1: he just doesn't look he's I mean, it's, it's not like glowing like the sun like Nynaeve. like Nynaeve was glowing yeah, yeah so that's what it was kind of like okay and then the one weird thing here is that he is severed from the source at this point so should he be able to see that
3: is a question no. mark? did he say that he could currently I don't see it oh you're talking yeah, about when, and when he was getting yeah I mean when he's, yeah I mean he's severed
1: at that point yeah so that's like an interesting thing. Again, though, it could be like this unreliable narrator thing. Like that's what Logan thinks that he's seeing, but maybe it's potentially something else. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, there's time for them to explain it. But, but right now, for be... me, that feels a little
3: if it's similar to Min's power though, right? Like you don't necessarily it could be like a one off thing that's on top of his ability to channel. Cause like I
1: mean if if yeah, if they want to make a new yeah, if they want to invent a new power for sure.
3: All right.
4: Well, what I was trying to think of earlier was, Luke, uh, you were talking last episode that Loghain's mindset probably was that Nynaeve, he believed Nynaeve was actually the Dragon Reborn because of what he said. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think he's mad right now and he's like actually mad and believes that he is and like he regressed back into that? Or do you think he's like actually just in denial and he truly does believe that Nynaeve is like the Dragon Reborn?
3: That's a good question because we didn't have this information that he saw Rand with the power around him when I made when I said that because he might have seen Rand and said okay he's even stronger than I need because that was after the fact so that's a really good question I I don't know and uh, you got to add on top of it that he is a little bit mad so like you don't know like how stable of the decisions and by mad, he's mad you mean crazy
2: are. and not like yeah. angry right okay yeah 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 sorry crazy <laughs> yeah. I just want to make sure I the was madness. like they could have yeah been I have angry skills.
3: <laughs> and I'm skipping ahead a little bit to another scene, but he he references that he can hear um, LTT, loose. There's loose. Yeah, loose. say it for me, Kyle. Loose Theron Telemann. Yeah, he's saying that he can hear him. And we did have a visual representation of what he interprets as hearing them in his intro in season one, which I thought was amazingly done, by the way, when it has like the little yeah. people in his ears. And he says he's hearing all the dragons from the previous lives. So he truly believes that. I just don't know what he's thinking about the comparing his power level to Nynaeve and Rand, who he thinks I think are stronger than him, but he's still hearing those voices. So maybe he's convinced that he's still the dragon. I don't really know. There's a lot going on with this dude, but every time we get more like conversation from him, I'm sure we're going to be able to kind of scope in on what he actually believes.
4: Yeah.
1: yeah Kyle, I mean, they're, they're clearly painting pl-
3: him as a, as an important character. So mm-hmm.
4: huge plot hole. Now that you were talking about, he saw, Grand, like with the glow after he was cut off. Like that's That's how that's how I'm feeling in the moment.
1: But like I'm, I said, there's still potential leeway in the future. We'll see what happens with it. But for right now, I'm gonna say that I don't like it.
2: Don't the play. only thing I can think of in being devil's advocate here is just like because it's he's digital. already had yeah, it's like one of those things where it's this is going to be a terrible explanation. I don't know if this is even going to be close to it, but I imagine, like, if, imagine, like, you were just granted the ability to know everything. And then you, that ability was, like, taken away. It's not like you would immediately forget everything, you know, like there would still be some facts or information that would still be in the back of your mind from experiencing that level of power, I guess, in a sense. And that's kind of how I'm taking it. I agree. I'm still on your side. I think it's. Uh, a little bit of a plot hole right now, but I, that's just kind of how I took it, I guess.
1: I think that analogy totally works in what you're trying to say, first of mm-hmm. all. And second of all, I like maybe that's what they're going to. But it would say, still be kind but of like,
2: like stupid my, because he's like, gentle
1: book knowledge. It's like a hard yeah. cut.
2: I would agree. Yeah, like you're, if you're cut off you're from done. the source, like you should be cut off. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, like yeah, that makes done. sense to me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we'll see. We'll see. All right. all right. So Rand kind of leaves that conversation, heads back to the foregate. Um, we just get a lot of good things going on in the background here. We get more information about the the hunt for the Horn of Valir being called, um, and then we learn that you know there's the queen the Queen of Kyrian gets mentioned. We see in the background, which we saw last episode, but I didn't mention, is that like there's some construction going on in the city. So like they're nailing all of this like little outside world building that's going on, except for the Queen of Kyrian. In my opinion, in the books, it's a king um we'll see if there's any twist or something information about that um but we basically just get the point of this scene is going to be that rand is enlisting celine's help in obtaining the bottle of galdanian red for Logain. um so i guess before pre-party i'm just curious if there's any takes about
2: anything that was going on uh, it's just for me just ne- i need subtitles like when yeah. celine like or when uh, Loghain is asking for the wine he says something I probably played that scene back like four times like what is he <laughs> saying and then it was like three seconds later if I just kept the scene going I would have found out that it was a bottle of wine but it's just the names and places of people it's just so hard for me to get without the subtitles mm-hmm. other than that though this just again felt like like an R2's scene from the Witcher just like this conglomerate of like rich and wealthy people coming together like these people are from here these people are from here and it's just it's just great getting that level of like world building I know this show is gonna last a while so they have to you know incorporate these aspects early on while they can
1: yeah so we get I mean just like to reiterate some of the things that we learn about the the hunt I mean there's a gleam in there he has that like patchwork quilt cloak that's like pulled straight out of the books uh, he mentions that the horn will summon the heroes of the ages back from the grave to battle for the light. Um, It's been four centuries since the last hunt was called. So this, again, plays in in our theme at Andrew and I think mentioned this in episode one of this season of like, there's all these things going on in the world that haven't happened in a while. And like clearly something's brewing underneath the surface within the pattern. Um, And then just an, an interesting thing that we see is that there's people getting branded with a horn on their forearm. Um, that woman gets branded. So I'm curious. It seems like an easy continuity, cool thing for them. Like we'll meet characters in the future that will have that brand. I think that will be fun. Uh,
2: I just have a quick question about the horn. So I feel like I'm remembering from season one that someone said that like only the dragon can use the horn, but there are kings and queens. Like, is it just public knowledge? I guess, is it not public knowledge that only the dragon can use it? Am I misremembering that? Or do people just assume anyone can use it? So, people assume anyone can
1: use it. The the soldiers at Faldara no, like say like we have this, and then like I, maybe parent or loyal, or probably parent is like, oh, we're gonna use it or whatever. And they say
2: like it's for the dragon. So
1: that's their oh, kind of take on it. Like they're, I guess been they're saying like it's it. for
2: the dragon, as in like we'll yeah. just save it. They've for been him. safeguarding
1: it, yeah, for okay. him okay. over but the anyone ages, centuries. Okay. Yeah, but technically anyone can use it. Okay. That's why. The queen of Kyrian's like, hey, I'll offer you, I guess, technically fake. We learned in the the party scene, I'll give you half my fortune for it so that she can kind of have it, I guess, is the point there. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the party scene's great, in my opinion. Just fun. Again, Dave, on your line of thinking of subtitles needed, it took me... I literally had to watch the next episode to learn what this woman's name was (laughs) because I was like, it's clearly important and it's pissing me off that I've tried four times now to listen to it and I can't get it. But it's... um. Anver? Lady Anver? Anvar, Lady
2: Anvar, A N V A R or something.
1: A N, well yeah, you could probably take it. It's A N V A E R okay. E. That was probably too many. I just want to read. Who was that one? I'm just
2: trying to. I'm just like writing these names down with like a brief description. Who is that one?
1: So that's the woman that ran, that warns Rand of the uh, invitation from a again lady delay (laughs) i just spelled it i just spelled it phonetically in my notes i mean that's
2: if that's what it was if you guys were to look at my like season two characters (laughs) and descriptions like it would be a complete mess yeah i mean ink tar is just going to say ink tar for the rest of the recordings
1: (laughs) that's just classic ink tar (laughs) um so yeah we just kind of get like dave mentioned we get a lot of world building here just curious if you guys have any more takes if not i can keep talking about this scene but i don't know if we want me to just keep talking straight
4: could you imagine (laughs) if rand actually just hit that that'd be crazy but also before (laughs) that talking about the brands i honestly the first thing i thought of was like everybody that is getting branded is actually getting like a seal or sigil on them, and it's gonna come back and like somebody's gonna activate something and they're gonna all be like affected. And the only thing I can think about and compare it to is in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, Plankton puts all the bucket hats on everybody, and then all of a sudden he activates it, and the bucket hats go down. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. waiting for like somebody to activate it, and then like. I don't know. Similar to the, the dark mark saying. too. Like you touch yeah. it, everybody just yeah. like we're putting that on the board for sure. Just, just, just like <laughs> I don't understand because the only reason you're getting the brand is because you're joining the hunt for the horn.
3: It's like a it's like a profession. So like people like take pride in it. This is like a like a honorary like it's not also, celebration, I mean, the, but like it's yeah. like a it's like an event, like a global or not a global event, but a countrywide event. Like they're gonna go out and try and become a hero. That can be written in the histories of having searched for the horn so it's like a thing like some people want to be hunters of the horn so it's that's it's like they're yeah self-identifying I
1: mean, like they said it hasn't happened in 400 years so like imagine there was a tournament that we could join yeah that hasn't happened in 400 years and all it took was getting a brand that's like the official and it's hard to say if it's even their official invitation maybe they're just like dude i want to fucking get this brand like and tatted I'm, up it's yeah it's basically just getting like a tattoo that like i was a hunter for the horn mm. i have a couple
3: takes though. i'll just throw out there we're just talking about the whole party too right like everything about it yeah that works for me because how can we not bring up his amazing costume like what he's wearing is epic and that is like he actually is supposed to get something that looks similar to that earlier in the story like in the early of the books and he actually constantly is getting made fun of for looking like a noble by Perrin and matt in the early books pre pre this portion of
1: it nice clothes dork
3: Yeah, like they. This is like (laughs) iconic. I think I'm pretty sure he's wearing it on the cover of the second book too. Um, this this little jacket. So I was freaking hype as a book reader seeing it and just seeing Rand like kind of look like the dragon. It gave me flashes of LTT from season one when we saw the the flashback to three thousand years ago. Like he looked like an official like dragon. So like this was a cool little glimpse. But um, what I really want to harp on is I am over the moon about. Rand and Celine's on-screen chemistry. Like I I live I, like, it's so good. Like I think she's amazing. I didn't expect her to I knew she was going to be awesome, but I did not think she was going to be as captivating as she is. Just like their sexual tension, their back and forth, their pool like how they kind of clash, but at the same time you could tell they care about each other. All of it's really doing it for me and then of course like for anybody that is fans of the book, the the game is kind of mentioned here and it's like talked about. And this is one of the famous scenes that kind of kicks it off is Rand getting confronted with a letter and saying like, Ooh, like everybody's looking around. What are you going to do? You're going to say yes or no. And he burns it. And everybody's like, Ooh, good move. Good move. Good move. Like, it's just like a thing. Like it's yeah. like the game of Thrones, but like the game, the political game that Cersei's always talking about it. it like it's, it's super important in the books, just like in terms of politics. And you guys know, yeah. I like that portion of fantasy books
1: in this city too. She mentioned, Celine says, this is the most mm-hmm. political city in the world. Everything's a scheme or a game. They call it dies de mar, which I think translates to it's the game of houses. So it's everyone's just like maneuvering all of the time. And uh, I thought it, it was great. Like Luke said, they would have him tossing it in the fire because in the in the books, it's obviously they have more time to flesh things out where he's just like getting invitations every day to where he's staying and people are coming up to him and like what he wears. And he's like, I, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but like everything I do, someone reads into it. And it's it's just like so funny how it escalates, Let it to a point where he like almost like gets an audience with the king. And he's like, what the fuck is happening <laughs> right now? So they they did a good job, I think, of of. Giving us that idea and just this quick kind of one off scene, which I thought was great. And, and then, did also, they mention again, it?
3: Did they mention it in the last episode that he is f- like pretending to be like a lord of like one of the outer cities to the, or is this the first time we talked about that? This is the first time it's
1: brought up because Celine says, like, this is fun. Like, they think we're outland lords and they're trying yeah. to see like how they can use us to their advantage and stuff. And then Lady Anvir is like, you're saying in the fucking foregate, ain't she, little punk? So she kind of reads him immediately. She's a good game player. Um, yes, yeah, she is. Um, I'm assuming we'll see more of her. I feel like it was very deliberate that that woman is is who kind of went up and, and spoke with them. I like how Celine gives her the cold shoulder. She's like, back off, my man. And then just a another uh, like a little important thing here. We talked about it last episode with Rand, kind of handing the coin. They're just kind of pushing this characterization of this like duality of Rand a little bit. Um, Luke mentioned a little bit with him and Celine having this like somewhat like violent, aggressive undercurrent of their relationship a little bit. But here he's like legitimately upset that the hunt for the horn is like a ploy for um, the queen to kind of clear out all of the refugees from the war 20 years ago that are living in the foregate. I mean, we've seen that it's kind of just like the slums and Rand is clearly upset by this. Mm -hmm. Good guy, Rand. He's He's a good guy. Good guy. And then another thing for book readers is that uh, Selene mentions he's going to miss the fireworks. Fireworks are like a really big thing in the books. Everyone like always gets amped when they know fireworks are going to happen because like they're just like pretty much been reinvented again. Um, I think
3: Lord of the Rings like they are. The Hobbits are hype when Gandalf shoots off the. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Battles Ooh. in the sky.
4: I'm I'm keeping that in the mind. I I want some. You think it's in. it's gonna be a fireworks battle? No, I'm thinking it's gonna be fire breathing <laughs> dragon, hopefully.
1: <laughs> those okay. Um I don't know if we have anything else to say about the scene where Ran returns to Logang with the wine. You ever leave me like that again,
4: I will kill you. Well, that's not well, so I guess that's a note. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, okay.
1: that was also an answer to the question. A little eyes to die over there.
4: <laughs> I thought you were going a different direction with that, but no, I just <laughs> like that line with uh, "LaCine." Is that her name? Celine. Did Celine?
3: you just say LaCine from <laughs> no. Malazan? Yeah. T- no. Oh, I
2: thought you know. were combining. Off, I thought you were combining Lizzie and Celine.
3: That <sighs> is insane, and that is even funnier if you were. Combining. Yeah, that, that <laughs> works in
2: both of those senses. It's not that bad. <laughs>
4: was scene? That's so funny. That <laughs> That's you said that.
1: The only the only comment I'll make on this um Loghain ran second scene when he brings the wine back is just Loghain's rant about the Aes Sedai, saying like the madness in his perspective, obviously the madness isn't a real thing, just an excuse for the Aes Sedai to, to justify their dominance of the world essentially, but they know that only the dragon can defeat defeat the dark one. Um mm-hmm. so it's just I think good to get his perspective on the Aes Sedai. Um, if he's going to be such a big character, obviously the Aes Sedai are a big faction. It's just, you know, that play back and play through is obviously going to be important in the future.
3: And there's no way that this is it between them, right? Like, I know we've seen a lot of scenes from the trailer between them already, but like, this is blue balls. If this is all we're getting, we got to be getting more. I know Rand seemed to say, you can't teach me shit and like walks out. Kind of makes sense because game was being a little bit of an asshole, yeah, but this just felt like not enough and I'm. Are we on the same page that we're getting more or is there a chance that this is that's all we need at low gain for
4: what I was getting was that at the very end when he does set the house ablaze in his sleep um, by chat. I guess he was just channeling in his sleep that he realized he needs to just listen to this madman and go back and listen to what he has to say, because if he keeps going like this, he's not going to be able to figure it out. He's going to kill somebody eventually. All in. That sounds
3: perfect. That sounds like perfect writing. We're doing that. Yep.
2: I mean, I'm with you, Luke, though. It's it's blue balls if we don't get more, because I've been definitely loving every second of their interactions. I, I know dreams are
4: like a huge part in this series. Like, I know it's not dreams mean something. So it's hard to tell if a dream is literally just a dream that caused him to react and literally um, just set his house ablaze. Or if somebody was doing it, like affecting him in his sleep. So he did it on purpose. Like I, it's it's just hard because it's a crazy world and I love it honestly. It's so, great. so let's yeah. talk through yeah. the final
3: scene and maybe we'll, some of these questions will kind of get answered because I actually have a question myself about like was this all this was all a dream right the initial first part when Red yeah, starts getting hot and heavy with her okay cool because I was for a second thought I thought that was that real. was happening I don't think so In no. my opinion that was real.
4: I thought it was real too, but then he they like bang, and how, all of a sudden he just wakes up in his bed alone,
3: without it like, the a, like a on, a. Seemed like a rough editing her, cut. In my know.
4: opinion, that seemed like
2: a
1: rough editing cut.
2: Where I, I, it really I took it as a dream. I just because he wakes up and he's still doing the fire shit that he like awoke from the dream that like caused him to wake up, and that, that's how I took it. It started taking because she over. she's she is clearly like outside coming from somewhere. Okay. Unless she like left, like they had sex. She left in the middle of the night. That was and then, my like, take. came back. Yeah. So, but
3: but didn't she clarify earlier on the season this all the nights end the same, like him leaving her versus like I d I don't know. I'm on yeah, the I mean
1: they already they banged last episode for the first time.
4: Yeah, and I think it was uh she was coming back for more. She was a little crazy. But then at the same time, like he the one power is like taking him over while they're hooking up and it almost like seems like that's when he's like really losing control well, she was saying
2: like and show like show me it and i thought that she was like trying to say like show me your power which felt like a dream did. thing to say almost it, yeah
4: it almost did so it did seem like i don't know i don't know if she was like she's actually a dark friend she was trying to trigger it either way
2: we're all in agreement that the it was because he was getting hot place. and heavy like luke said in his dream that caused him to start feeling the fire weaves or whatever. And then that's but what caused the house to another wrinkle I'm on, is I'm is on team. That, it was real.
3: Okay. Well, we're going to, maybe we'll find, I don't even know how we could find out if it was real or not, but yeah. um, I, another wrinkle to it is like, you're saying she says, show me, but even if he channels in front of her women and male and men, that's what I'm each saying. Other's weaves regardless. That's <laughs> what I'm saying.
1: I took it as like, she was like, show me like, she says like, let go. Like, I thought it was like, like she could tell, like, and like, again, like, we've talked about, like, Rand has these kind of two sides to him. Like, she tells him to, to like, keep the lordly clothing on and like all that stuff. I feel like she was like into like the idea of like him, a dressed like that and acting like that. I thought that's what I took out of it. Cause I mean, she like kind of, cause last, we saw last episode, she was definitely into him kind of manhandling her a little bit. She kind of does it this time. And then I just feel like she's into, in my opinion, that like level of physicality.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna, gonna go war. with. I'm gonna go with that scene. He let go a, a little bit, and that's what caused him to because he let go a little bit later that night when he was asleep. It triggered because he wasn't like on guard.
1: I think it's also difficult because while we're in the White Tower and we're watching them um, channel Sidar, the women have like we're seeing the colors kind of you know here and i feel like rands have always been like a golden orangey color you know so it's kind of is he just doing nothing but channeling fire i guess that's a take but i don't know i think it's that i think is a little potentially confusing as well because like was he actually channeling fire when he's like on top or on the bed or like that was just the color of it at the moment because he's obviously channeling fire when he wakes up and it's like that color so i don't know
3: I mean, the good thing is that we thought we were never going to get an answer in season one about if Loghain was actually laughing crazily or if it was in Matt's head or whatever. And we somehow did. So maybe there's a way we'll get an answer about what's going on here. I'm sure the more we see Rand scenes, especially probably the next episode, we'll have a little bit of a better idea of like the level of losing control he's having. And and if Celine has any you know, more Celine scenes are going to be great, too. So I think this conversation will come back up. Was I crazy, and maybe I was just like forcing myself to see it? But was there some black
2: streaks going in the uh the wheat, like in his channeling? Was that just me? I feel like I was I feel seeing like there, a like mo- like was. a little bit of black, just kind of to emphasize that he was going mad a little bit. But I I was probably like making myself try to see that, you know.
1: I agree that it feels like they've somewhat shied away from how like obvious it was when Logan was channeling last season.
3: And I would hope yeah, it's again Logan was more corrupted or like, and, like yeah I was going to power more
2: that was going to be my question is I guess that hasn't like been that. explained yet quite yet is like is the black supposed to signify how corrupt you are or is it just like a signature of gains, you know that's something I'll just throw out into the void
1: yeah yeah we'll see and then uh, you know little detail that was important that we care about is that Rand still has the sword he saved the sword from the fire
4: so he still has yeah. Tam's sword. Is literally his only possession in the world yeah he kept so. that in his coat <laughs> yeah. i just like going back i know what you guys said was supposed to happen at like the end of book one like rand was supposed to like come back and like blow up everything in the battlefield and kill all the trollocs and be a badass mm-hmm. and i totally see how his character is not even touching how cool he right. might be in the books right now because all he did right now was unleash is- ishamiel like he didn't really do anything and save anybody all he did was do that and hide away so it's kind of like waiting for him to do something i know he's trying to figure it out but it's i I can see how book readers are like "Yo, like poking him with a stick like do something it is fairly book accurate um up until this
1: point in the book too so like obviously book readers like you said we got You know, the moment, the sick moment. Um, Part of that, just to be, I guess, long winded, is that like the Eye of the World is supposed to be like a pure, untainted pool of the One Power. So it's just like, you know, a Sa on fucking steroids and that he can literally like light up the sky and like feel the earth and the air and everything type of deal. Um, But also, I mean, book two, he is so afraid of himself after that that he is actively trying not to channel, just like he is now in the show. He channels in his sleep in the books, just like it seems like he's done in this episode. So it is kind of taking that lockstep. Obviously it looks differently, but the idea of it is still kind of there. So I mean I think also book readers, we were kind of just like, okay, when's the next time? He's gonna fucking crack that melon open
4: and just be a fucking savage again. So yeah, because I mean he, he has no idea of extent of his powers, I guess. All he yeah. did was really kind of break the I mean, well that was pretty fucking cool. But break the heartstone. But like if, what's he afraid of himself for? He didn't do anything crazy. He didn't do any damage like to out to anybody. The biggest thing he did was, you know, kill that guy in the alleyway, I guess. But And I don't I mean, think it's yeah. more, he I don't think asshole, it's about,
3: so. I don't think it's about like him thinking he's going to do something crazy with the power, but it's more about the madness that he's avoiding practicing or even using it. Like he, there's no situation where he's going to be like sitting at a table and like practicing his weaves because every time he touches it, he gets like the madness starts going into you. So, that's the whole, I guess that's the reason why Loghain is so important here because he's the only one that's going to be able to help him without him getting closer and closer to madness. But yeah, like I'll leave it at and that they, just because I don't want to They
1: conveniently have that little private garden. So yeah, I guess, we'll, I guess we'll see where that goes. That might be a take to put on the board. Um, And yeah, also he's afraid of the fact that if someone knows he channels, they're going to kill him. Like a, he's, he'll be a social pariah. So he doesn't like absolutely does not want to use it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh,
1: get the parent and crew right yeah so this moving into crazy. the the happy fairy tale storyline um so we left off last episode where we see the big palanquin with this mysterious woman with the easily identifiable long fingernails that we met at the beginning of episode one in the dark friend social and yeah we're at atuan's mill so that was another one where i was like holy shit i would die for subtitles right now but i Went to like towns in Wheel of Time and s- scrolled through fucking however many they are, wow. fucking 150 and found the one. Um, awesome. So Atuan's Mill is a place in this. So they didn't make this up, which is nice because at first I was like, they fucking made this place up. But essentially, what we're going on here is that these invaders, we learned that they are named the Sean Chan.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and they're kind of just organizing all the townsfolk and they're pretty much making them all swear oaths. So, uh, I mean, in my opinion, we can just kind of rip all of this that's kind of going on in the day before we get to like the caravan stuff so everything that's with the swearing of the oaths all that kind of a lot does happen i have a ton of notes for this um but just kind of takes on everything
4: i ever since you said that the pacifiers were supposed to be necklaces or like neck braces or like collars i just wish it was that so badly because i'm like she like flicks her fingernail like up here comes the pacifier babies yeah here's the babies i literally have in my notes like
1: one of the babies begins searching through the crowd
4: (laughs) especially because it was like a younger woman too and it's like oh here's it comes a toddler like still has a pacifier so um, i mean it was menacing that they were just like picking girls i i don't know if that meant anything like girls with potential to touch the one power or just like girls for other dark uh, Epstein Island type thing. Uh, gross. But jeez, I don't know. I don't know what it, it possibly was, but it couldn't have been a good thing. And oh my god, Uno ripped
3: Boo, boo, no. boo, boo, dude! Fuck that, man! That was so, so
4: gross. Does that not happen now? Uno is a book fourteen, homie. Oh my, oh my god. god, I'd be
3: furious, dude. That I don't. Know. That's why I, I don't I, know who made that decision.
4: My jaw dropped when it happened because I was like, that is intense and a terrible way to die. But I was like, I, Uno's a fan favorite. Like, there's no way that, like, they, this, I could easily see him living past this in the book. So I would be furious if I was you guys.
3: I'll just say it's not the end of the world, but my initial note was, are we back into this as a B tier show because it happened so <laughs> early in this episode? I was, I was, I was pissed. But it was like in a, if you didn't have any book knowledge, like that was a good, like Game of Thrones kill moment, which oh, yeah. oh, is me, appealing yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was like, I, my jaw was literally open. I know we say it all the time, but I was like looking around, like, where's Kyle to me to look at Kyle? So he knows <laughs> that I know that we know what the fuck, dude, I was <laughs> yeah. freaking out. That's that's how I felt like this was a death. death
2: we needed. Yeah, I feel like it's been a minute since we've had any, you know tense or like tensity and anything like life threatening so it's good to see that you know Characters can just eat the bullet whenever they whenever they want. <laughs>
3: so um, sad though, he's great, man. He curses so much every death, other word. Yeah. He's just great. His I love it was also
2: very unique. I feel like too, like it was yeah. a different take yeah. on a curb stomping that I had never seen also, before. Yeah, a yeah. little like
1: uh, it shows the kind of the brutality of the Chin. I mean, they literally have that thing there for that reason. Yeah, it was literally like at the Valentine's bottom step. of the steps. Yeah. yeah, it's there for that exact reason. Um, mm. my take is that uh, I think that. On one hand, like this does a really good job of A, like I said, doing that Sean Sean Chan brutality. B, this I feel like very clearly spells out for us that actions have consequences. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like Uno couldn't keep his mouth shut even when it was kind of low stakes of them. Like he's talking shit about Elias kind of right behind him, all that kind of stuff. He's clearly, like, is trying to get him to be, like, fucking put the knife away, like, chill out, all that kind of stuff. And I, I think it does a good job of showing us that, you know, like, in that Game of Thrones line of, think- of thinking of, you know, actions have consequences. Like, if you slip up and step to the wrong person, like, you might fucking get got like this. Um, I would agree, Lou, the first time I saw it, I was like, no fucking way. Like, I'm pissed. But the more I really think about it, Uno plays, like, two, maybe, like, one and a half potentially like big roles throughout the rest of this series you know one of them may have come i mean like granted yeah throughout the season he'd play a role maybe in like season four or five ish he would play like a a fairly decent role but technically there's like two like he's with another person so like that person could just take that storyline and that's a character we'll get introduced to that is a bigger character than uno is so like I'm sure he'll just eat Uno's storyline or the rest of that storyline himself. And the the last part, when he comes back, it's just like a feel good, like, oh my God, Uno's back type of deal. So it's like, I can see why he kind of made a list of Expendable and especially of like the, this will get everyone who's watching fucking like, oh my
2: God. Yeah, that was my thought on it. Is that like this, they got it. I feel like they want to keep it a little bit fresh too, also for the book readers. And while it sounds like Uno was a fan favorite, something like this does make you kind of view the show a little bit differently in the sense that like okay maybe I don't know everything yeah. that's coming you know
1: yeah and I mean i things up- I wrote and I'm so sorry to step over you but it just like I can see how the conversations led to him being expendable and he's probably the most expendable of the shine that we know so mm-hmm. that's kind of um, writings on the um, wall I'll,
3: I'll drop a couple of lore things here that I've written down then you can clean up whatever I miss because there was some good stuff here that I'm pretty happy that they already included it but one of the things that not The Empress, but like her speaker, because she doesn't talk them, she doesn't talk to anybody, right? Like you kind of already figured that out from last episode. She never speaks to the public. Um, one of the things that she says is that this is the declaration of what they call the return coming back to this country. I'm not gonna get too specific because I don't know how much they're gonna naturally and organically give to us over these next couple episodes, but she does say, like we left with, and I think they say Luther Pendragon.
1: Yeah, Luther Pendrag's fleet
3: luther Pendrag's fleet and then they come they're coming back to reclaim their lands and then they they tell everybody that they need to swear the oath and one of the coolest things about the sean chan and i won't talk too much about it is just the oath is really cool because you could tell like they'll kill uno if you don't say the oath but if you say the oath you're pretty much fine like you're in the you're you're absorbed so we're gonna get to explore that dynamic a little bit more but it is cool that they can be bloodthirsty but they can be reasonable if you if you succumb like to their demands and i just wish uno bent the knee bro come on
1: yeah tough i interesting luther pendrag is like a really famous character like luke we're keeping it like we'll learn more essentially he's just like their version of like alexander the great plus like genghis khan plus like king arthur like what's just his like name uther luther pendrag
2: it was funny because I think Luke said Uther Pendragon, which I'm pretty sure is Arthur, King yeah. Arthur's. Dad. Oh, that's like 100. Yeah. Where, it's where based the inspiration? On, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like because when you said Alexander the character. Great, I was thinking the same. Like I was like, it's got to be kind of related to that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um,
1: and just a very small correction because this will become a thing is that um the woman with the long fingernails, her name is High Lady Surath. Um, so Surath. Yeah, oh, Surath. Yeah. So she's yeah, not right. the emperor. It's okay. She's not the emperor. She's Quite close. Um, and she obviously is wielding a high level of power, but she's just kind of like a really, really high-ranking noblewoman.
4: They're awesome. I really like the Swan Chan. Is that what they were called? Sean Chan. Sean, like the name. Sean like the name, Chan. Sean. Swan Chan. Swan Chan. <laughs>
1: the
2: Swan, Swan Chan.
3: <laughs> that's Swan what she Chan. should name herself if she gets absorbed into the empire. <laughs> the, I literally have it written
2: down as the name Sean and then Chan, and that's yeah, how I'm going to remember yep, it. The baby it's, right. it's one word, but yeah. Yeah, yeah it was one word. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's literally it it's basically if, if jackie chan had a son and named him sean
2: that's literally how i'm pronouncing it yep, sean yeah chan. sean chan <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep. honestly now that i said that it reminds me of jeff chang from uh jeff chang, <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah a great movie all right yeah i don't know how much i have to add like lore wise um i just thought it was funny that like she kept using one hand to signal them around but like i like how uno uno gets all four fingernails she lifts all four up oh yeah yeah that was like Execution. her version of the yeah that was her version of the walking <laughs> phoenix <laughs> so that's funny that would be hilarious if that's consistent throughout the whole thing i would love that um so four yeah. up four down you're dead <laughs> and then just again i feel like they're doing a good job of building out inktar's character when he's like begging per- when he's pretty pretty much says to perrin
2: like our bride's nah. not worth more than our life I disagree. Vegeta would disagree as well. So you put that pride on the fucking line, baby. Let's go. I mean, (laughs) they just showed what happened when
1: you put that pride on the line, and you're not a fucking intergalactic Saiyan. It would
4: (laughs) it would spike your head through Unos head. It would leave Unos head there. all
2: I was thinking is Vegeta
4: would never.
2: Vegeta (laughs) would never.
1: Um, and just only other thing I want to um point out is just that obviously, issues like I fucking parent We'll get to the next scene um, for more about that. But that was like, oh god, okay. People love to I fuck Perrin. That's yeah.
0: That's a great point. <laughs> the, end a of this, great point. the end of this
1: Except scene.
4: Perrin yeah. didn't get like hit on the head, did he? Like they just kinda ended the scene and he just wakes up in the carriage. That was my impression, yes. Okay, because I, I don't know if I missed something because he seemed like he had like a new wound with like the blood on his head. I don't know, and he just kind of woke up there without realizing. So I didn't know what happened, but yeah, I, I could feel see, like like you
1: know, a little off screen manhandling. To get him in Good. there.
4: Last little comment just to
1: obviously we're going to give the writers some some shit. If we don't like what they do, give them some you know praise when I do like what they do. So I mentioned at the top of this that uh, Atuan's Mill is a location in the books. It's actually a location that our party goes to in the books. So in the books, we arrive pretty much after a scene like this. And our characters are asking all the survivors that are left are like, what happened? What happened? What happened? Type of deal. Um, so I that, thought that's like a kind of genius shift to like actually place us there to give us this introduction to the Sean Chan. And so.
3: what region is it in?
1: Um, it's in Almuth Plain, which okay. means nothing to these guys. But um, no, bl- bl- was- I'm, again, hold, still holding on hope that we'll get more of a discussion of geography and maps and such. And if not, we'll take matters into our own hands and we'll show you guys a damn map. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we get the caravan scene. So we kind of the first half of the scene is gonna be just like a really informative and interesting conversation between Ashamayo and Perrin. And then the second half of the scene is gonna be just like a really nice quick battle kind of rescue scene. So I I would say let's talk about the all the Shamayo stuff before we get into Elias. That would be, I guess, maybe the only potential guardrails on a conversation.
4: Crazy. Just I didn't know this this was going to be two people that were going to be face to face having a condo. like <laughs> this is such another wild pairing that i wasn't ready for so i loved it you know parents mm-hmm. an interesting guy people can tell right away that he's got something inside of him and he even says at the one point like the more wolf you are the more the you're more mine. you're mine which is yeah. just like
2: awesome just I like, just don't, like, don't know what that claiming means. The do-
3: the claiming the power is like a dark power is kind of what I took from that. But dude, the eyes of Ember, whew, that was sick just to uh, show that yeah. flash again. They you know literally that. answered your guys'
1: question perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because yeah, when we talked about that last episode. And yeah, I think, again, just to bring up the, the dark friend social when he's talking with the Trolloc, I think that's part of it as well. When he's like, it's so hard to be both. And he's kind of now taunting parent almost of like, you know. If you lose out this battle, like you're pretty much mine.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So just adding, I mean, obviously, Perrin's worried about what the hell's going on with him. But you know, then next thing you know, the you know what you think is the dark
2: one (laughs) is adding on just another layer of pressure on top of it. I'm sure he's sweating bullets now. It's Mm -hmm. just so confusing because again, I kept I keep bringing it back, like to how Perrin got this injury is like Trolloc related in my head, even though we kind of know it's not. But then you know, now we have Ishmael talking about how. The more he uses it, the more he becomes mine. So I'm still making these connections, even though I know I shouldn't be. And now I'm also thinking, like, I feel like this this scene kind of confirms for me, at least, maybe not a hundred percent, but I just I feel like I'm getting confirmation now that Elias does have this same power. And why is it different for Elias to be able to use this power so constantly and not be Ishmael's like lapdog, whereas for Perrin it is that way. Again, probably just shouting questions into the void here, but uh, just something that I'm thinking about currently.
4: Yeah, and I don't know if he means like the more you give into it, like the more you give into your anger because he's like the father of lies. I don't know if he means like the wolf specifically or just like how you get to the powers. That's what he's talking about, like through that anger. So I don't know, but be able to call fucking wolves is just such a cool thing that I didn't know I wanted to do. Like I just loved I just, all the how much we get howling in the show. It's just
3: oh dude. So when weird. I heard the howling <laughs> savages, I just started winding it up because I was like, Elias, Elias, <laughs> Elias, Elias, Elias.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's just comes yeah. swinging in, kicks the door down. also, I mean, just more characterization of the Shamayil. Um, the first part is that he, he says like, I pretty much saved you from the spike. So he's you know telling us there that he holds a level of clout with high lady Surath, who we've seen on her own demonstrate an insane level of clout. Um, so, I mean, we kind of knew that, but it's just nice to keep getting that reinforcement. And then the, I love the line. I want to meet the monster. And then the last thing will be, I love how there's chaos erupting outside. And he just like calmly kind of like walks out of the caravan.
2: To me, it felt like he he knew (laughs) this was going to happen. That's just how I took it almost. I mean, so he was calm. unbothered. He didn't really care. Yeah. Like, he, it just, his, the way he was delivering all this, like, his words and just how he was talking to Perrin, everything just timed up perfectly when the evasion happened. It just, he knew this was going to happen. I feel like he knew Perrin wasn't going to make it all the way. Again, the, yeah, I...
1: the, the, the quote unquote, like, antagonist characters, Leander and I think Toast the Line, but like, They have just been fantastic, which Mm -hmm. is such a thing that the show needs. So it's just so good that the the quote unquote kind of bad people, antagonists, whatever, because again, Landron doesn't really isn't really an antagonist, I guess you could say, but they're just fucking fantastic, which is great.
2: Well, I am on Team Dark, one baby. Mm. <laughs> yeah, sure you
4: are. On t- Dave, <laughs> Dave would <laughs> like, immediately turn to the dark. <laughs> Is it con- I don't want to say confirmed because, like, like said in season one, we don't use that word around here. Yeah. Way wait till Dave just did, but um, <laughs> but like, I almost feel like half the time Ishmael isn't actually there because he did do that like visions and shit when he was in the prison. Prison. So like, I don't even know if he's actually in there with parents So when he walks out, it's all just a show and he's actually somewhere else. I mean, he's calm, cool, collected. It's fucking cool. I mean, I don't know how strong the Forsaken are if they can just like travel and teleport like that. And um, I don't, I don't know, but they were cool. But um, Kyle, mm-hmm. question for you: What were the names of all the wolves that attacked? Because I assume Elias named all the wolves.
3: You know what's funny is that it's probably answerable. <laughs> I'm just kidding,
1: i <laughs> I mean, at, at some level, it might be. But um, do you want their wolf names or the the human interpretation of their wolf names?
4: Both like oh, okay. it's like the latin the scientific name and the common okay name. yeah um you know we've been here for a little while talking about the episode so me
1: and you can talk about that offline we don't want to bore the listeners uh, with he doesn't um, with all that lore knowledge he how about that
0: <laughs> let me let me throw a final uh take or two out here
3: um just to end the episode for myself um i actually loved the forced like the what are we what are we calling them the baby benders
2: yeah, the that already low. sounds amazing to my the ears. Baby, benders. So, baby benders, benders, that name sings in my ear. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I love it. So, so the I like how they show them channeling. Like it was more mechanical, and like you could tell, like it was just like the way they were doing it is different than any Aes Sedai Like Moraine's more like graceful. Like the way yeah. they do it is different, and that's just a really cool, subtle thing because they're from a whole different part of the world. So even if they have access to the powers they would be using them differently like this. So I really like that subtle little touch of, you can tell when it's a Sean Chen channeling versus an Aes Sedai just based on the hands. Like if you just saw that part of it and it was really cool because they were just like, it looked like Naruto, like um, it, it looked like, like harsh, Jiu-Jus, Like the motions kinda. were like yeah.
2: harsh, whereas like the Aes Sedai kind of flow a little bit yeah, more. It right? Didn't like, it kind of yeah. like, ch, ch, ch. yeah, it was like, like Jutsu. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um,
3: I'll let you guys talk about that if you want anything else there. But the other piece was, I love that. Moment of Elias saying like get out of here he has blood on him and he just full sprints at two of the the guards that are and just with no weapons in his hand or anything so that was awesome we're gonna fucking Elias is just so cool I'm, it definitely makes Com me just,
4: think yeah sorry it definitely makes me Go think ahead. that he can turn into a wolf because of all the blood that was on his mouth like <laughs> he turns into a wolf and bit. I don't think he. I mean, he. There's a big chance he just bit somebody with like his human form and his human teeth because he's a wolf. But I mean, that's the first thing I thought was, all right, this guy is basically like an atomorph, like
2: right into wolves.
3: I mean, druid. that was your original prediction, wasn't it? Or I feel like was... I
2: said. I feel like I personally or Paul personally definitely said in season one that like we're leaning like werewolfish right. territory. Oh, yeah, yeah.
4: You were a werewolf guy.
2: Yeah, but it, again, I, I. I'm not.
4: I was saying wolf traits, I believe, on the release. I think.
2: And then you also you said wolf king,
1: and I guess technically that could maybe you could infer from that that he would turn into a wolf. Fuck yeah, you didn't actually say that, so.
4: (laughs) Um, I'm in. I'm in. All right, um, (laughs) you're letting me build out your theory for you. Yeah, I just I (laughs) say (laughs) things and I forget them, and then you say them, and I'm like, that's a great idea. Oh, you said (laughs) that. I'm like, oh.
2: Paul, I want to ask you though: Do you think Elias's and Peridon's abilities are one and the same, or do you think?
4: Yeah, I want to okay, say yeah, and yeah. he just needs to learn, and this is gonna be his his mentor, opportunity. Just like Logan's going to be Rand's mentor, Logan. <laughs> Logan, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so
1: hard, and I can't tell if like like you're making a joke or not. So. Yeah, I'm always joking. I, yeah. will like just like my gut reaction is to kind of thinking the writers are doing it wrong my gut reaction will just be you're joking and making a good joke yeah yeah
4: totally okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. um okay, real quick can i go first for mvp lvp because i don't <laughs> yes, so go first yet and my mvp elias there we go he's cool <laughs> he steaming. claims him yeah. he's yeah. got an award every episode He's just so cool, especially here. Like he comes in, worked on his social skills a little bit. We were talking last episode. He needs to learn how to do sentences and talk with a human. Did a better job this time, let alone saving him and just being a beast, like you said, just jumping at people with no weapons. Just don't worry. I got him. Follow my buddy Wolf Wolf over there. Like he'll take you home. (laughs) Like that's it's just so cool. So he's I do know I do know that wolf's name, but I won't spoil it. I think he said it. But I was like, I don't have fucking subtitles. He says
2: though. like he's he says go follow and then names the wolf. But yeah, yeah. there's no subtitles. Well just nope. just
3: wait for that next episode.
2: <laughs> Is it wolf wolf? Um
3: <laughs> that'd be wild if you just nailed it just on your guessed face. It.
4: <laughs> um and my LVP fucking uno man just Ugh, just the name bro are
3: you gonna fucking spit on
4: his grave. Wow. he spit on the palanquin and then fucking caused him oh, all so, he needs okay. to do
2: is kneel are we you gonna took, fight you took we...
1: offense to him fucking not taking the oath You're we might have Sean to Taylor. fight paul
2: after you hear my <laughs> what good is MVP. dying right there <laughs> 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 all right let's hear it then dave mvp is going to uno baby oh my god <laughs> <laughs> pride thing. pride before the lives baby love it now i I just thought he was—he went out in a badass way, spit in the fucking queen's face. Love to see it. I mean, I wouldn't personally have the—I sorry, not the queen. You're good. I just want to, you know, reinforce that. I'm gonna call her long fingernail princess, but spit in her, (laughs) spit in her face. Let her know I'm not bending any knee, and I'm gonna honor him with an MVP rather than dishing out an LVP for him and then the LVP I will give to easy one for me uh Matt. I don't think there's really much else to say beyond that.
3: Um I went last last episode so I'm going to go next. Mm-hmm. My MVP was going to be Elias but I'm going to just take Leandrin as my pick. Um Kate Fleetwood is putting on such a good performance. I don't even like, you know, it's obvious you don't love her character, but you love her performance. And just every time she's on the screen, she's great. So the more we get of her, the better the show is going to be LVP was going to be Matt just because he's a coward with that Egwene scene. So I'll just say my next pick, which I didn't have any other good options. So this is like a fake LVP, but I'm going to pick Min. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. I'm just going to pick Min for playing games with Matt, even though Matt deserved to be the LVP of this true, episode. True, so true. We're going to see how that plays out, but keep that in the back of your mind anytime we're seeing Min scenes.
2: Is that an LVP storyline? <laughs> damn.
1: Okay. Um. So my MVP is going to be Elaine Tricon, the daughter heir of Andor, just because she has shown herself. I feel like she's really Ferta. She's just a rider. Um. Elaine, I guess, I mean, I'm sorry, Egwene seems like her first friend ever, you know, and she, she's pretty good at this thing she hasn't done before after a couple days. You know, she's being a pretty good friend, um, and I'm a big Elaine guy. And then my LVP will be the baby benders.
0: <laughs> yes. Because
1: get that thing out your mouth and stop fucking, I don't know, obeying
3: i like their concept (laughs) art by the way or like their design just for the record i know it just just looks
1: like a like a mouthpiece or a pacifier like paul said it just throws me off
4: i just saw this like at the end of this episode i'm like this is the best episode yet but like i think that after everyone i forgot how good like the mystery of just discovering this world and how satisfying it is i love the show i'm so excited for the next episode Um, i'm looking forward to it few different things min and matt i'm really excited to get them out and about i really want some more matt but also what leandrin said like moraine won't have anything over either of us again if you succeed in this Mm. like i don't think we know what that is i i think moraine said last episode about the man that she visits i don't know if that's what she's talking about but also like min how does min come into that so um, looking forward to a lot of storylines. I think that I said that last episode. Like anybody who comes up on the screen, I'm just like very excited now. And last time it was like, yeah, I I don't really care, care less. Now I'm like,
3: let's yeah. let's go. Yeah, Gwen and sure. Perrin. I feel like we're
1: rough for us a little bit in season one. I remember that. Uh, mm-hmm. The two. Certainly. Of you guys that. Yeah, certainly.
3: I want a little bit of a pause in the White Tower. Not that I'm not loving everything there, but let's progress some of the other ones, get the highlight. It feels like the White Tower is taking up like 50, 60 percent of all these episodes, which makes sense. There's a lot of characters there, but give me some more Rand, give me some Moraine. Let's get to the Sean Chen. Like this is, I want to let's progress them for an episode, and then we're, we can meet back up in the the mid season. You know, yeah, very interesting. We got no Moraine and land this episode. Well, we got fake land.
4: <laughs>
1: true. Oh, true true it's i'm sexy like, hair
3: sexy yeah, land saying, yeah, yeah that's true that's true we got erotica <laughs> land I, <forgot> about
1: that. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of him as the same person dave any parting shots
2: um nothing for me just give me the you know. the false give me the new false dragon reborn into my veins that's what i'm just okay. literally dying for every episode you're patiently waiting for a master team
3: yes that's who it is and the final question dave who you draft in the first round
2: um, we are gonna go with hopefully Saquon Barkley with the ninth overall pick. We have keepers too. just let people out there know. So I'm not just yeah, I don't want to seem like an idiot. We got keepers, but I'm taking Saquon. I think at the ninth. Uh, I Let's love see. the caveat. Uh, and yeah, I'm
1: just think that last episode was better. This was still a very good episode. Uh, I'm still feeling pretty good about where kind of the changes that they're making. We didn't like go into a ton of detail about all the changes they made. Like that in itself kind of shows that like I'm okay with know pretty much all of them um we'll see how things progress season one was i was feeling really good after the first three episodes i think we were all fucking gassed up at the first three (laughs) episodes um so i guess we'll you know we're holding on uh, taking an episode at a time but this was just great i mean it's just fun and i just love to hear that you guys are liking every storyline because that's the way i was in the books for pretty much almost like the whole run um it was just nice to you know get all the different characters and everything. And I think everything right now is kind of cooking at the moment, which is nice. All right. That's going to do it for season two, episode three. What might be with a time? Um, what definitely will be is that we'll be back for episode four, whatever that's called, because I don't nice. know off the top of my head. Yeah, Paul, you like that? That was for you. Um, so yeah, uh, stick around, obviously. Um you know, we'll be doing these weekly at this point. I they just dropped all three of them at once. Then we'll move to weekly, thank god. So our social lives and everything we do outside of podcasting and work can uh, have a little bit of chance to flourish, like fantasy football. Um, we're also covering One Piece and Jujutsu Kaizen at this point. So we're just busy, busy guys, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I just like I said at the top, best way to support us is always just going to be subscribing whenever you're watching or listening on, uh, and just you know, literally listening to the episodes. I think is the best way to support us. And then if you want to interact with us, it's always going to be Twitter or X, as Dave likes to call it, uh, at yeah. Bingetown TV. Dave's a big X fan. Um, and then Discord the link will be in the description. Of this you're episode missing two X is there. <laughs> yeah, well, we all know about that <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> you know what I was laughing about? Of the um, we had like a random talk in season one about like. Uh, Our insecurities, or something like what it would be, and like you were just like, yeah, I mean, clearly it would be my inadequate penis size.
2: I can't believe we have that on podcast. We have too many people listening. We got to pull the plug on this podcast, man. Too many people are listening. I just re-listened to it, and I was like, I love that. And then
1: Paul was like, yeah, I mean, like I don't really use mine that well. It was just like, it just completely <laughs> devolved into that conversation. And it was like maybe four minutes, and we were like, okay, I don't even remember what scene
2: we were talking about. Counties, you got about another like half year out of us before we're pulling the plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's going to be on the, I mean, the other one was on the internet too. I mean,
1: on the, on YouTube. So uh, yeah, that's literally all I got. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Peace.
0: You're listening to the Geekscape Network.